Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the odd man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Oddcast featuring the Odd Man Out. Once again, thank you for taking your precious time to hang out with me. And this week... We have part two of the History of the Pilgrim Society with Mr. Charles Savoy. Last time, he gave us the lowdown on some very, very important members, power players in the early 1900s. And I think we worked our way into the mid-1900s, and we'll take up from there with this edition. These are the men who made our world. And for some reason, they've kept it under wraps. And of course, the Pilgrims, they say, was just a dinner club and a way to foster relations between the Brits and the United States. But we know with such important men coming together that, of course, there were big decisions made, like the Federal Reserve, perhaps the Bank of International Settlements. Very important things. So... It's not just a dinner club, of course. It's something more, and it came out of the Society of the Elect, Mr. Cecil Rhodes Wills, the Rhodes Scholars, the CFR, Chatham House, they're all connected. So whether you believe this is the top of the top or not, that's up to you, but Mr. Savoy has good information, solid information, that he has taken several decades to collect, and I think it is fascinating. So... Without any further waiting, let's get right to part two. One thing I was wondering, and I know this is like a kind of off the subject, but do you ever run across any of the Fabians like affiliated with the Pilgrim Society? I'm glad you brought that up because you reminded me of something I meant to mention earlier. Based on statements that have been made at the Pilgrim's website, 
Van der Reesen and I are the, the ones that have got their attention more than anybody. But of the two of us, only I have been able to confront a member face to face. And that happened in May 1979 at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth. I had taken their emblem off their letterhead, as I said, and I took it to a t-shirt, a graphics shop, and they blew it up in size and they put it on the front of the t-shirt. Well, they had <clears throat> coming to speak at Texas Christian University, TCU, the then British ambassador to the United Nations, Sir Ivor Seward Richard, and the British ambassador is listed as one of the officials who's always a member. Well, they, they call them honorary members, but they're members. Uh, anyway, his name, Sir Ivor Seward Richard. And the master ceremonies puffed him up pretty good, and they said, oh, yeah, he's a member of uh, this, that, and the other, and he's a member of the Fabian Society of Great Britain. I kept waiting for him to mention the pilgrims, and you know what? He never did. That is to remain in the dark uh, in a place that is darker than a raven's wing in a coal mine at four in the morning. Dark, <laughs> dark, dark. And what, what was that Old Testament verse where it says, uh, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. And they say, Who seeth us and who knoweth us? Well, Sir Ivor Seward Richard, during his speech, he mentioned that his maternal grandfather was the United States Secretary of State, <laughs> uh, Seward, who made the Alaska Purchase from Russia in 1867. And the name Seward recurs in leaked rosters of the Pilgrims New York uh, a number of times in connection to uh, for instance, high-powered law firms. Well, there was going to be a question and answer session after his speech, and then uh, suddenly they canceled it. And they said, oh, there's going to be a reception for him in the basement. And he saw me coming. I had a tape recorder in my hand. Nobody told me that I couldn't have a tape recorder. And he kept rotating his back away from me. And finally, I, I practically jumped in front of him to where he would have had to run right into me. And I says, hey, pal, how do you like my shirt? And he went all white. <laughs> and, and he couldn't wait to get away. <laughs> yeah, I had that opportunity. And that's the only one that I've ever been able to confront. Now, I've got <clears throat> uh, email for some of these people, but I haven't uh, <laughs> done anything with it. They're most unrevealing. Now, I did uh, some months ago write an article called The Coinage Act of 1965 and the Pilgrims Society. And guess what? I got an unsolicited email from a member of the Pell family, P-E-L-L. -L. That's one of the dynasties that you, you never hear about, but they're there. They had uh, Wall Street Investing Corporation for many years. And uh, Claiborne Pell, senator from Rhode Island, voted for the for the um, to get rid of silver coinage in 1965. <clears throat> he had a fortune from shock absorber patents and four other fortunes. Anyway, 
heard from a member of the Pell family who who wasn't a member, but he he contacted me, and uh, uh, he was he also had Howland H O W L A N D ancestry, traces to old Massachusetts, colonial Massachusetts, and they owned the biggest fleet of ships in New York Harbor in the 1820s, and there there is uh, one of the uh, big um, companies I believe it's Google. One of the members of the board of directors is married to Howland. Mm. I mean, this old money continues to, to run things, but they've got people focused on new money. Well, let's go on to the 1957 executive committee. Junius Spencer Morgan, born in 1892, a son of J.P. Morgan Jr., became a partner in J.P. Morgan and Company. Director of Continental Can Company, Atlantic Mutual Insurance Group, etc. He was with the OSS, Office of Strategic Services, 1942 to 44, forerunner to the Central Intelligence Agency. He was named Junius Spencer Morgan for his great grandfather, who spent many years in London high finance with George Peabody. <clears throat> okay, another member. Fenwick Beekman, medical doctor, treasurer, New York County Medical Society. There were medical doctors in on the founding of this thing and associated with Beekman Downtown Hospital, an important Manhattan landowner. He descended from Wilhelmus Beekman, a huge landowner in early 1600s, New Amsterdam, which was renamed New York in 1664. Wilhelmus Beekman was mayor of New York, 1682 to 83. And he was also treasurer of the Dutch West India Company, which operated for 170 years in the slave trade and dealing in pearls, tobacco, opium, and privateering, uh, that's piracy, including raids on Spanish silver and Portuguese exports from Brazil, plus he was governor of Delaware and Pennsylvania. Now, the state of Delaware is named after the English Earls of Delaware, who are members of the Pilgrims of Great Britain. All right, 1957, another executive committee member. <clears throat> United States General Walter Bedell Smith was made a Knight Commander Order of the Bath in 1944 for actions against Germany in North Africa. Now the Order of the Bath <clears throat> refers to a ceremonial water bath of purification, washing blood off yourself if you were a knight of the king and you had just butchered one of the king's enemies. Smith was also a member of the OBE, Order of the British Empire. You have to be inducted by the British sovereign into that. He became ambassador to the Soviet Union, 1946 to 48. Uh, you know, financiers from New York and London uh, paid for the uh, Russian Revolution in 1917. And then they kept the Reds in power in the 1920s by selling Bolshevik bonds here. That was uh, Albert H. Wigan of Chase National Bank and Alvin W. Kretsch of Equitable Trust did that. They were on over 100 corporate boards together. Well, anyway, back to Smith. He was a CIA director 
19, see, they're all over the CIA, 1950 to 53. Under Secretary of State till 1954. In 1953, Guatemalan President Jacobo Guzman threatened to nationalize land belonging to the United Fruit Company. Smith ordered the American ambassador in Guatemala <clears throat> to put a plan, a CIA plan for Guatemalan coup d'etat into effect, which was accomplished the following year. Smith left the State Department on October 1, 1954, and took up a position with United Fruit Company. He also served as president and chairman of the board of Associated Missile Products Company. That's that the kind of missiles that fire up into the sky, and AMF Atomics Incorporated, Vice Chairman of American Machine and Foundry, Director of RCA, and Corning Incorporated. Now, Corning is the Houghton family who are um, heavily invested in uh, Citigroup, <clears throat> all Pilgrim's Society interests. Smith was Chairman of American Heritage Foundation, and was decorated by France, USSR, Netherlands, Belgium, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Luxembourg, Brazil, Morocco, and Tunisia. Okay, another one. Admiral, Naval Admiral William F. Halsey. They have top military brass in this thing all along. He was commanding admiral of the U.S. Third Fleet in the Pacific. President, International Standard Electric Corporation, Director, Federal Telecommunications Laboratories, American Cable Radio, and others. Decorated by USA, Philippines, Greece, Chile, Cuba, United Kingdom, Venezuela, Peru, Panama, Brazil, and Guatemala. He was an Episcopalian. Member of the Army-Navy Club in D.C., site of many annual meetings of the Silver Users Association. Halsey was descended from Rufus King, who was twice minister to England in the 1790s and the 1820s. In May 1791, Rufus King, guess what, became a director of the Bank of New York. And in October 1791, King became a director of, guess what, the first United States Bank, forerunner to the Federal Reserve System. In 1811, when we so very foolishly refused to renew the charter, we had the War of 1812 handed to us by the British. Now, on the subject of warfare, when Biden and his other flunkies left $90 billion worth of war equipment with hostiles in Afghanistan, friends, it was not incompetence. It was done intentionally so that the War Industries Division of the Pilgrims Society that being Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, General Electric, etc., would have excuse to get more trillion-dollar contracts. Oh, we've got to beef up our our military because look look at all this hardware they got. So mm -hmm. that was done on purpose. Okay. Uh, also on uh, the executive committee for 1957, Pierre Pont V. Davis. Started his finance career in Brown Brothers Harriman, which today represents north of $4 trillion. Director, National Distillers and Chemical. We've heard that name before. Wabash Railroad, Seaboard Airline Railway, 
Kansas City Southern Railway. They're all over the transportation system. Dry Dock Savings Bank, Trustee General Theological Seminary, Treasurer Episcopal Church USA Funds, Governor of Investment Bankers Association of America, uh, companies that raise money for Silver Users Association interests, Trustee, Presbyterian Hospital, New York, we've heard that name before, Director, Beekman Downtown Hospital, See, there he was with Fenwick Beekman at the same time on the executive committee and trustee of Beekman's hospital. Pierpont V. Davis was chairman of Trinity Wall Street Church Real Estate Committee, uh, president of the Bond Club of New York, and he had offices at 63 Wall Street. And one more member of the 57 executive committee William L. Cleats, K-L-E-I-T-Z, Episcopalian, started finance career in firm which became Hornblower and Weeks, Hemphill Noyes, with strong ties to silver users, became president of Morgan Guarante Trust, director Wilson and Company Meat Packers, Inspiration Consolidated Copper, IBM World Trade, Royal Liverpool Insurance, New York Community Trust, New York State Banking Board. Here we go again, Presbyterian Hospital, New York. Uh, the Presbyterians in the Pilgrim Society are the second most numerous denomination. And uh, the Presbyterian Church originated in Scotland and they're Scottish Crown Loyalists, uh, like the ones who run the giant Royal Bank of Scotland today. Uh, Cleese was a trustee of Lawrence College, Director of Commerce and Industry Association of New York, on Investment Committee of American Institute of Mining and Metallurgical Engineers, President Cornell University Alumni Association. Now, you take the floor for a while. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is quite the history that, uh, you know, we do not know it's been suppressed. You know, people have heard of some of these names. This money is still around and these families are still around. And, you know, they're still like for people that don't know their whole kind of uh, official story for creating the Pilgrim Society. And Charles, uh, if, tell me if I'm wrong, but like their official story is just to foster uh, good relationships between the Brits and the U.S., correct? And yeah, that's. That that's the main thing that they say and take note that if that's all they're wanting to do, why do they have to keep most of their identities secret? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Good point. And they, they claim that we're, we're just this, uh, we just want to foster good relations and we, we just have this dinner once a year or whatever, this big feast. And, you know, it's, it's so obvious that you got the likes of, yeah, I don't want to skip ahead, but we've got some very uh, important people who've been important in foreign policy here in the States for the last 50 years. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get to eventually, but these people, ha, you know, still yet, the people that are in the society are the very important people in every important industry you can think about. It's just um, this network of, who's who in every 
industry and in banking and all that. It's it's just amazing that they've been able to go under the radar for so long. And I, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting. I think um, Carol Quigley only mentions them a couple of times, but it it, it makes me wonder because I think that they. Uh, when they tried to put out tragedy and hope, I think that the story is, you know, that uh, they stopped it and they got rid of the plates or whatever. And so it makes me wonder if the actual version of tragedy and hope that we finally got maybe had uh, the Pilgrim Society redacted, or maybe they replaced it with the group or some of the other words that he uses for some of the groups in there. You know that uh, Quigley was a member of the Newcomen Society of North America. You ever hear of that one? No. N-E-W-C-O-M-E-N, named after James Newcomen, an inventor of the steam engine. Now, they had, uh, oh, I don't know, something like 12,000 members in the USA, another British influence front, <clears throat> and... Um, they would always have a member of the Pilgrim Society running it. Now, I can't tell you off the top of my head what year it was, but uh, and I found it very odd, but they closed the Newcomen Society down. I don't know what the story is on that, but they closed it down. And uh, while I'm thinking about it, I need to mention uh, <clears throat> somebody that you might have heard her name, Arlene Johnson. Well, Arlene Johnson, in a speech, said something about me, which I want to set her straight. She says that I didn't seem to realize that America is still a British colony. On the contrary, I'm very highly aware of it. And uh, in, in public uh, terms, it, you can see it in all the Rhodes Scholars that they place on the Supreme Court and, and as, as president. Uh, we got a, the mayor of Los Angeles is a member right now. We've got the Commerce Secretary, uh, Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg, <clears throat> Commerce Secretary, and he's saying, oh, well, if we have shortages, uh, this, this is too bad, you know. And uh, William Simon, a member, was on the National Commission on Supplies and Shortages a long time ago. Now, they've been managing the economy uh, all along. Well, let's get to the 1969 executive committee and I'm going to give more than five examples since their descriptions are uh, a bit more brief. Douglas Dillon, yes his original name was Lepowski but changed it to Douglas Dillon. There's a story behind that. He was a second generation member and son of Clarence Dillon and Business Week called Clarence the brilliant financier of the 1920s, uh, he bought Dodge Brothers mining interests, and he saved Goodyear tire and rubber from bankruptcy. Clarence was on the uh, War Industries Board in uh, World War II. Now, Douglas Dillon, the, the son, Treasury Secretary, 1961 to 65, and he led the campaign to eliminate silver from our payment system. Dillon, after Treasure, became a director of Chase Manhattan Bank and AT&T, and he chaired the Rockefeller Foundation. His daughter became Princess Joan of Luxembourg, The Economist, London, July 13, 1963, page 166, had Dillon boasting, quote, 
silver bullion would be released on demand to prevent silver rising. And all these economists, Jeff Christian and a whole herd of other ones, all flea bitten and infested, they're all saying, oh, there's no, there's no uh, program to keep silver depressed. Well, uh, a member of the CFTC earlier this year said they were successful to tamp the silver price down. They're, they've been managing all along. They don't want silver rising because if it did, it would embarrass the Federal Reserve currency. Now, Dylan ran Dylan Reed and Company Investment Bank plus U.S. and foreign securities and U.S. and international securities, which were staffed with economists attacking silver as money. All right. 1969 Executive Committee, Keith Funston, F-U-N-S-T-O-N. He was with the War Production Board in World War II, director of the Episcopal Church Foundation, trustee Trinity College, that's another one, chairman of the New York Stock Exchange from 1951 to 1967, director Winn-Dixie Stores, AFCO Corporation, Illinois Central Industries, chairman Owen Matheson Chemical Corporation, director Chemical Bank, Metropolitan Life, IBM, Republic Steel, Harford Insurance, Putnam Trust, National Aviation Trust. Uh, I mentioned the NYSE. Well, around, uh, I think it was 1970, another member, William McChesney Martin Jr., chaired the committee to reorganize the NYSE. So they're running the exchange no matter what. 1969, Executive Committee. Henry Sturgis Morgan, grandson of J.P. Morgan Sr., third-generation Pilgrim Society member, Episcopalian, Huguenot Ancestry, that's H-U-G-U-E-N-O-T, which is French Protestants in conflict with the Pope in the 1500s, co-founder of Morgan Stanley Investment Bank, Silver Suppressors with Pilgrim Society member Harold Stanley. Now, Henry Morgan was a director of Connecticut General Life Insurance, Aetna Insurance, General Electric, member of the Bohemian Club of San Francisco, which is one of their West Coast branches, and the other one is the Pacific Union Club in San Francisco, member of the Metropolitan Club in D.C., where he could influence members of Congress, Henry Morgan married Catherine Adams, descended from the two presidents, Adams. The second president, Adams, screwed Andrew Jackson out of the presidency, delaying by four years Jackson's arrival in the White House. The Sturgis family is another very old line dynasty. <clears throat> okay, Alan Dawes, attorney in Sullivan and Cromwell, 48 Wall Street, a top Pilgrim Society wall firm, law firm uh, became director of Central Intelligence Agency. And his younger brother, John Foster Dulles, also a member, who was Secretary of State and also was with Sullivan and Cromwell, you know, Dulles International Airport in D.C. and all that. Alan Dulles was president of the Council on Foreign Relations, CFR, and a director of American Banknote Company, which supplied foreign central banks with printed funny money, was a member of the American Commission 
to go to negotiate the peace in 1918. Both Dulles brothers <clears throat> were members of Piping Rock Club, well interlocked with the Pilgrims Society. Um, John Dulles was director of Bank of New York and a Rockefeller Foundation trustee and the warmongering Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. There was another Dulles in the Pilgrims 1907 roster. <clears throat> okay, General Maxwell D. Taylor, a famous name. He was assistant to the military attache at Peking, China in 1939, rose to division commander of the 101st Airborne Division, superintendent of U.S. Military Academy 1945-49, became chief of staff of American forces in Europe, commander of USA forces in Berlin 1949-51, various other military positions, United States and UN commander in the Far East, 1955, Army Chief of Staff, 1955 to 59, and they made him chairman of Mexican Light and Power Company, 1959 to 1960, uh, became chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, 1962 to 64, ambassador to South Vietnam, 1964 to 65, uh, at, at which time another member took over, uh, Ellsworth Bunker, who held uh, big interests in the sugar industry. Okay, Maxwell Taylor was special consultant to the president, 1965 to 69, president of Institute of Defense Analysis, chairman of the president's Foreign Intelligence Advisory Board for 1969, Decorated by USA, Order of the British Empire, and Order of the Bath, France, Belgium, Mexico, Colombia, South Korea, Brazil, Peru, China, Italy, Netherlands, Thailand, Ethiopia, Greece, Japan, and Spain. Member Army Navy Club, D.C., site of many annual Silver Users Association meetings. Okay, Arlie Burke, Navy Admiral, <clears throat> Director of Theocal Corporation, Duquesne Corporation, Freeport Minerals, Texaco, uh, Freeport Minerals is gold and copper and I think sulfur too, Texaco, United Services Life Insurance Financial General Corporation, Foster Wheeler Corporation, Center for Strategic Studies at Georgetown University, they're planning wars, member American Ordnance Association, Member Army Navy Club in D.C. Member Metropolitan Club and the Inner Wheel Club, D.C. Funny. Member Bohemian Club, San Francisco, and the Pacific Union Club, and the Royal Thames Yacht in uh, London. <clears throat> Eben Pine, P-Y-N-E, like the Joe Pine show, mm -hmm. but he wasn't related. Pine was inheritor of 1800s banking, railroad, and real estate fortunes, president, Bankers Club of America, anti-silver, on finance committee of American Council of Learned Societies. They bossed the professors at the universities, director, National City Bank, New York, Long Island Railroad, Long Island Lighting Company, Phoenix Assurance Company, U.S. Life Insurance, City Investing Company, W.R. Grayson Company, Nassau Hospital Trustee Grace Institute. Pine had ancestry from the Howland family, 
a recurring name in Pilgrim Society rosters, which traces to old colonial Massachusetts. For example, Howland Donaldson Murphy, uh, Brittany Capital, in the 666 Fifth Avenue building, New York, was in the Pilgrims 2014, and uh, oh, he since passed away. That is, uh, Hal and Murphy passed away. Even Pine also had in his ancestry Moses Taylor, founder of First National City Bank of New York. Various other members of this Pine family have been in the society, all with extremely opulent mansions. Okay, one more from the 69 list, and I get a break. Benjamin Strong, third-generation Pilgrim Society member, whose father chaired the knife head. <clears throat> His offices were at 45 Wall Street, trustee New York Presbyterian Hospital, there he goes again, president of the United States Trust Company and Astor Family Operation, director of Royal Liverpool Insurance Group, Home Life Insurance, Siemens Bank for Savings, president Union Theological Seminary, and a member of the Academy of Political Science. Now. Take the floor. So I was just kind of thinking there, um, and we were talking about, you said there's over, earlier in the show, you said there's over a thousand connecting groups. And I think you mentioned the Bohemia Club once, or the Bohemian Club. Uh, is the Bohemian Grove and, and the Bilderbergs, are, are they connected to the Pilgrim Society, or is that something that's all together? Yeah, they're, they're, they're connected. So here's the thing. <clears throat> Going back to the May 1902 Review of Review article, uh, it says, I think on page 557, there are two, there are three essentials. One, the plan duly weighed and agreed to. Two, the first organization. Three, the seizure of the wealth necessary. Now, we just saw them run independent business out of business by calling it non-essential. Okay, that's right. a complete, complete con job. And they looted over $800 billion from the public. Well, <clears throat> uh, the first organization has two meanings. <clears throat> it meant that after the formal founding of the Pilgrims Society, its members would go on to found other groups like the Pan American Society of the U.S., the Italy-America Society, the France-America Society, the Australian-American Association, blah, 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 just a long list of things. And uh, the other meaning of first organization is it would take over the management of pre-existing groups. Now, the Bohemians was founded in uh, 1887. Uh, you've got to understand that pilgrims had a a forerunner organization in New York founded in the 1770s called the St. George's Society is still in business. But they realized by the turn of the century that, hey, there's so many wealthy magnates out in California from gold mining and railroads and other mining, copper, silver, blah, blah, blah. We've got to have a na national organization. So the reins of influence were turned over from the St. George's Society to the Pilgrim Society. Members of the Pilgrims run the St. George's Society. And uh, 
Well, members of the Pilgrims founded Bilderberg. They founded Trilateral, and it's a distraction. And um, I've tried to get Infowars, Alex Jones, to cover the Pilgrim Society. You know what? They would ride a razor blade into a pool of acid before they'd even allow it to be mentioned. <laughs> and I, I, I think it, it has to do with um, <clears throat> Alex Jones' ego. He's made a commitment to this doctrine that Bilderberg is the top group in the world. Well, it is not. Now, let me compare it, for example, to the Trilateral Commission. <clears throat> the thing about Bilderberg, it excludes members from the Far East. It's got to be Europe and North America, America and Canada. So the Trilateral Commission has members from Europe, USA, Canada, North America, but it also brings Japan into the picture. And there's been an occasional mainland Chinese. Well, Japan, guess what? is capable of becoming a counterweight to China. And um, so the trilaterals is definitely more powerful and important than Bilderberg. It's just that Bilderberg, they think, oh, it's got a scarier name. Like yeah. Skull and Bones Society, oh, that's got to be the top group. Well, it, Skull and Bones is limited to people that go <clears throat> through Yale University. Uh, what about James B. Hagen? the greatest mine owner on earth uh, who came from Kentucky and ended up in California with 160 mines all around the world. He wasn't in bones. He could buy and sell the whole organization easy. He was in the pilgrims. I've got a complete uh, several hundred page report on called silver mining kingpin opposed silver money. It's at the start page of silver stewards about Hagen. I mean, his exploits were just, he, he beat the shit out of the Rothschilds over and over. Wow. Yeah, he did. And uh, there there has been no Rothschild found in these rosters since 1974. They do have proxies in there. Peter Mosse, uh, Douglas Wu, the only Oriental to date in the organization. Lord Lamont of Larewick, and there's others. But anyway... Uh, let's get to the 1980 uh, Executive Committee. John M. Meyer, Jr., Chairman of J.P. Morgan & Company, Founder, Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, which is an extremely important entity. Handles uh, all these securities. Director, Aetna Life Insurance, U.S. Steel, Gillette Company, Niagara Mohawk Power, and Northern Pacific Railway. <clears throat> Henry Cabot Lodge, Jr., Senator from Massachusetts, 1937 to 53, closely allied with Silver Users, Ambassador to the UN, 1953 to 1960, Ambassador to South Vietnam, 63 to 67, Ambassador to West Germany, 68 to 69, Personal Representative of the President of the Vatican, 1970. To 77. Remember, we had Myron C. Taylor doing that earlier. Now, Henry Cabot Lodge Jr., his grandfather, also a senator from Massachusetts, voted for the Federal Reserve Act in 1913. Paul C. Cabot in the 1954 roster, Powell M. Cabot, 1978 roster, John Davis Lodge, Pilgrims, 1978, some of their relatives. 
Gordon J. Whiting, a current member, married into the Cabot fortune, which is Cabot Corporation, a large chemical concern, and also they are big landowners from the early 1700s. And uh, Gordon J. Whiting is a, a son-in-law of Paul C. Cabot. Now the Cabots have been powers in Massachusetts for centuries, having settled there in the year 1700, operated a fleet of ocean-going vessels, dealing in slaves, rum, opium, and other cargo. Cabot Corporation, bearing the family name is Specialty Chemicals, sales in the billions and 4,500 employees as large landowners in colonial era Massachusetts and especially around Boston. The Cabots are among the very elite Boston dynasties hovering over State Street Corporation of Boston, which now represents over 34 trillion, including a huge number of shares in the CME group parent holding company of the COMEX Commodity Exchange, which everybody's griping that they're allowing gold and silver to be suppressed, and they are, and it's the Pilgrim Society doing it through these instrumentalities. Uh, they will allow me on YouTube, um, not YouTube itself, but the, uh, the YouTube interview shows because they only interview people selling things, okay, period. That's mm -hmm. a hard and fast rule. Now, the Cabots have been prominent in the management of Harvard University and its endowment, which is the biggest in the country, Northeastern and Norwich University and Wellesley College, and are big in electric utilities, savings banks, insurance companies, and other sectors. Policy Cabot was on the executive committee of Eastern Gas and Fuel Association, and far more importantly, he was chairman of the mighty State Street Corporation, director of J.P. Morgan and Company, Ford Motors, Continental Can Company. We've heard that one before. Yeah. National, yeah, National Dairy Products, B.F. Goodrich, etc. Treasurer of Harvard University. And um, okay, another one from the 1980 roster on the executive committee, Alfred Hayes, who also was a Rhodes Scholar. Now. Very few Rhodes Scholars rise higher up into the Pilgrim Society, but this one did. He started with National City Bank and New York Trust, became president of the New York Federal Reserve Bank, vice chairman, Federal, Federal Open Market Committee, director of National Distillers and Chemical, they really like that one, chairman, Morgan Stanley International, president of the Anti-Silver Economic Club of New York, and a member of the Council of Yale University, Herbert Brownell, one-time United States Attorney General, member of Permanent Court of Arbitration at The Hague, Netherlands, with Pilgrim's Society law firm, Lord Day and Lord, and another one, Root, Clark, Buckner, and Ballantine. His daughter became a Pilgrim's member. Finally, uh, Dean Rusk, also a Rhodes Scholar, Director, Office of United Nations Affairs of the State Department, then became Secretary of State, President of the Rockefeller Foundation. Now that shows the Rockefellers collaborating directly with the British. Mm -hmm. Member, American Society for International Law, 
Democrat, Presbyterian. Now let me take a break. <laughs> wow, this we've is got amazing. one more to do, and that's 2014. Gotcha. Okay, awesome, fantastic. This is just great information, and it's like it tells us the real history that we have not been taught. We're never going to hear this. You know, we're never going to hear it in school. We're never going to see it on the news. We're not even going to hear it on, like you said, on InfoWars. And a lot of these guys don't want to talk about it because some of them are probably afraid they'll be labeled a conspiracy theorist. But how, you know, it's like a lot of these guys won't even talk about the Council on Foreign Relations. You know, it's like I listen to Rush Limbaugh. I talk about this a lot, but I listen to, you know, to conservative talk radio for 20 some odd years. And I never heard them even talk about the CFR or, or the way the Federal Reserve works. You know, it's like we're not being told the truth. And uh, you, my friend, have put so much time into getting this real history in the backgrounds of these these guys who've been really turning the gears behind the scenes. And, and it's just really amazing what all you've been able to uh, pull together because, yeah, they claim that they've been keeping the world on the right track. That's a direct quote. Wow. <laughs> Who's right track? You know, <laughs> who's the track right for, right? So, uh, so in 1973, I'm at 12,400 feet up in a place called the Uncompagri Valley in Colorado with my dad and the dog. And we're camped out in a tent and we're talking about the Pilgrims. I call them the PIL, P-I-L-L-G-R-A-M-S, because their pharma division manufactures risky pills and grams. They steal grams of gold and silver. Uh, gotcha. uh, anyway, uh, he uh, <clears throat> said, well, I, I wish that you wouldn't be involved with this. And I says, you're, you're afraid that they might strike out at me? <clears throat> and he said, yeah. I said, well, if they do that, they'd just be doing me a favor because – I mean, I don't want to wind up one day and notice I'm an old man. <laughs> anyway, let's do the last that I have. The 2014 roster now, in collaboration with Vanderreesden, he's the one that went over to the city of London and got this. And uh, I had to pay, I think it was like $1,700 to finance it. But the thing is, I had my the only donation I've ever had was seventeen hundred dollars, and it came from a guy in Ireland who prefers to remain anonymous. And anyway, he went over and he managed to get this list, and I think they've probably tightened up their practices since then. <clears throat> but anyway, a few members from the executive committee, New York, of 2014, and we haven't even mentioned the London executive committee. Right, yeah. Okay. John Rose Drexel IV descended from the mentor of the original J.P. Morgan Sr. Married to Jacqueline Astor of the John Jacob Astor dynasty, who is remembered as the landlord of New York. And in his time, he was the top domestic power in the second United States Bank, 1816 to 1836, the second most dominant domestic power in that bank was a member of the DuPont family, 
and Biden has been a DuPont family puppet for decades. Interesting. Now, okay. let's get back to Drexel now, the current Drexel. Drexel, with other Pilgrim Society members, is chasing the polymetallic nodule mineral wealth of the world's seafloors through Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. Drexel IV's father was also on the Pilgrim's New York City Executive Committee. The Drexels converted from Roman Catholicism to Episcopal Church over 160 years ago, considering that the royal family far exceeds the Pope in power and has since 1588 when the Catholic Spanish Armada attempted invasion of England was crushed. The royals have held preeminence over the Pope on the world stage. Drexel is president of the Pilgrims Foundation. He was managing partner in the old line investment bank, Kidder Peabody and Company, president of Concord International Investments, investment manager in Fiduciary Trust Company, director of the Atlantic Partnership, a British influence front. They want us to join the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And even even Donald Trump, you can look it up. He says, oh, yeah, we, we ought to join the British Commonwealth. He did. He said that. Now, Amazing. Drexel, yeah, you can look it up. Drexel has holdings in forestry, agriculture, and sustainable energy. Trustee, Drexel University in Philadelphia. Lifetime governor of the Order of St. John of Jerusalem, founded by Queen Elizabeth, excuse me, Queen Victoria, in 1887, its robes and symbols appear occult. It is a holy land, Knight Crusader order, separate from papal orders of similar historic significance. Drexel is or has been an advisor to the United Nations Office of Project Services and the United Nations Business Council, advisor to the government of New Zealand on trade and industry. He was on staff of Rhode Island Senator Claiborne Pell, Pilgrim's Society, for five years, and Pell, inheritor of multiple fortunes, voted for the 1965 Coinage Act, deleting most silver from our monetary system. Now, here's a really juicy one. Robert W. Johnson IV, owner of the New York Jets Sports Club, dominant shareholder in Johnson & Johnson vaccine maker, was Trump's ambassador to the United Kingdom. He's on the Pilgrim's Executive Committee. I have the documents showing that. It can't be faked. It's, it's all authentic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got a couple more to do here. <clears throat> Getting interesting. I just want to say real quick. So they even admit that every – you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. Every UK yeah. ambassador and every American ambassador – for each country or either country is a member of the Pilgrim Society. Oh, that's right. And that and that's where they go first to do their first speech. And they have other positions that, that is always a member, like the British Consul General in New York, the British Ambassador to the United Nations, the U.S. Secretary of State, the President of the U.S., uh, honorary member, blah, blah, blah. Not one known textbook on government or political science mentions this. Okay. I, <clears throat> Go ahead. 
I, I remember when I was looking up this information, you know, I was checking out your information and I was trying to see, you know, obviously, you know, way better than me, but it's hard to find much information about the pilgrims. And I was able to find on a British government website, I believe it was their ambassador's website. It actually mentioned the pilgrims, but that was about the only thing it mentioned. It mentioned the, a couple of different organizations that their ambassador belonged to. But then if you wanted to know the rest of the information, you actually had to be a government insider and have access to that website. So, <laughs> so much for that. Yeah, they, um, they prefer to remain unknown, like Quigley said. And um, the reason being is what they're doing is wrong. Uh, in terms of most people, it's wrong. And so, okay, uh, the 2014 Executive Committee, which is the most recent I have, Toby Roosevelt, widow of Franklin D. Roosevelt Jr., who was also a member. <clears throat> the Roosevelt stood for gold and silver nationalization in the FDR years. It does no good to argue that it was not a confiscation, but a nationalization since those who were frightened into turning gold and silver in were cheated out of further gains. For instance, silver rose 40% soon after that. They nationalized it at 50.01 cents per ounce at the time after England had driven silver down to 24.5 cents an ounce in February 1931. Uh, silver was used as a ping pong ball first by the British pilgrims and then second by the American pilgrims back and forth, manipulating the world money system. And uh, well, anyway, um, there's so much could be said about this, but for instance, the Silver Purchase Act in 1934 gave Franklin Roosevelt excuse to nationalize silver on August 9, 1934 by executive order. And uh, it sucked so much silver out of China that it forced them off their centuries-old silver standard by November 3, 1935. So the purpose was to concentrate the biggest holding of silver in world history in one place, that's the Treasury Department, so that they would have a stock of silver to use for price management purposes for generations to come. Well, okay. Uh, <clears throat> Back to Toby Roosevelt, it shows that top-tier silver antagonists have been officials in management of the Pilgrim Society. Same thing with England, the Earl of Halifax, who was responsible for the uh, silver dumping out of British India, which caused the Great Depression. There was an American ambassador to Germany quoted in the New York Times. I can't give you the exact date here, but I have it. Uh, estimated that 640 million ounces of silver were dumped out of British India. And that in a time when average production was about 17% of what it is today. Now, the Roosevelt family <clears throat> encompasses more wealth than most people are aware of. The May 9, 2013 Dallas Morning News reported that Roosevelt Resources of Dallas controls an oil resource in West Texas estimated at 573 million barrels. Wow. 
which was it's in the billions. It hasn't been exploited yet, but they're waiting for the day. Mm-hmm. George Emlyn Roosevelt in the Pilgrims, 1957, was a financier and philanthropist. First cousin once removed of President Theodore Roosevelt and one of the most prominent railroad financiers of his day, involved in no fewer than 14 railroad reorganizations. He also held directorships in several important companies, including Morgan Garanti Trust Company, Chemical Bank. Uh, Chemical Bank is called Chemical Bank for, guess who? The DuPonts from the early 1820s. He was also a director of the Bank for Savings in New York and a trustee for 35 years of New York University. Roosevelt's uh, great-great-grandfather, that's Emlyn Roosevelt, was noted to have a large fortune by 1840. He bought Manhattan land in the Panic of 1837 at distressed rates. He was one of the five wealthiest New Yorkers in his time. As of 1844, Cornelius Roosevelt was a director of Chemical Bank. Yeah, and uh, this was a major tributary tributary of what became J.P. Morgan Chase Bank today. Now I've got two more members to cover, and I'm done. Okay. Edward Finch Cox, Episcopalian, <clears throat> son of Pilgrims member Howard Ellis Cox and Anne Delafield. The Delafields were prominent in the founding of the Bank of America. The Delafields are well represented in the Pilgrim Society. The origin of the central line traces to Count de la Felde in France, circa 720 AD. Edward Cox's grandfather, Edward Ridley Finch, was a member of the Pilgrims. Their grandfather was descended from a member of John Winthrop's year 1630 colonization of Massachusetts Bay Colony. Their grandfather was a justice of New York State Supreme Court. He was a trustee of the Episcopal Cathedral of St. John the Divine, of which numerous Pilgrims members had belonged to and married into the great Livingston family of Louisiana Purchase fame. We have Livingstons in the Pilgrims today. I guess his name is Henry Livingston III. Um, Edward F. Cox has incredible blue bloodlines. He is also son-in-law of honorary Pilgrims Society member Richard Nixon, who closed the gold window at Treasury in August 1971, which was following Nixon's letter of acceptance to serve as honorary president of the Pilgrims, New York City, dated March 24, 1969. Nixon also imposed price controls on silver capping domestically mined silver in $1.61 per ounce via his fastest cost of living council managed by Donald Rumsfeld, who later became Secretary of Defense, a pharma exec, and surfaced in the Pilgrims as of the 1986 roster. Okay, I got one left. Awesome. Henry Richmond Slack, S-L-A-C-K. Episcopalian. He represents via marriage and corporate position the Oppenheimer fortune, which had over 800,000 mining employees all across Africa in every mineral mine in the continent, including diamonds. 
C number 197 at org. Another giant mining fortune represented in the Pilgrim's Society, 415 pages. A 1987 figure for Oppenheimer assets at that time, that's 1987, was 247 billion. Slack's, wow. <laughs> Slack's neighbor, Paul Vartanian, is a prominent New York diamond dealer. Records show one of Slack's homes in New Jersey, valued years ago at over $2 million, had a tiny property tax assessment of $8.64. His daughter, Rachel, was with Kissinger Associates, Henry, a member since 1974, and with Brown Brothers Harriman, which grew out of the giant Union Pacific Railroad fortune. And that is it for today. Wow, Charles, this has been amazing. It's, oh man. And yeah, for people that don't understand, Charles was talking about the executive committee of the Pilgrim Society for each of the years he mentioned. And that's by no means the only people who were in the society, uh, you know, but they've been known to have very large dinners. I, I think I read in the Pilgrims of the U.S., they, uh, up to 2,000 people at one time they would have as, as, as far as their dinners go. Of course, that includes the wives too, I guess. But, uh, I mean, I hope that this goes out, and I hope a lot of people get to thinking about it and check out your website and really start thinking about who really runs the country and who's really been running it for as long as at least the last 100 and what you'd say, maybe 120 years. 140 now, th years. This is the only major globalist group in the world which will not release a membership roster to outsiders. Bilderberg does, Trilateral does, they don't. Yeah. Yeah, and and they do have an office in New York that they you can actually I think look that up, can't you? Yeah, they they've moved about. They used to be at 74 Trinity Place right next to the American Stock Exchange at 86 Trinity Place. And they had Edwin Etherington, a member on the board of directors of the American Stock Exchange. They can get into any position that they want to pretty much. I'd say so with all those people. <laughs> You've got such a powerful bunch of elites in there that you know, the sky's the limit for them. And they, and you know, they, go under the radar because nobody knows who the pilgrims are and it just allows them to network and operate and destroy competition and and really destroy countries probably you know if they want to and uh it's like that it's just like what uh you know rose and, and the, the society of the elect did there in south africa you know they went in there and <laughs> took all the gold and the diamonds and then started the Boer War so they could get more. Uh, that's the kind of people these people are. I mean, they're yep. ruthless. And if they yep. have to, you know, if thousands of people have to be killed or starved or locked away, well, so be it, you know. Well, let me mention just a couple of other things real quick. There's so many yeah. things that could be mentioned, but in the 1914 New York roster, we find a royal family pet who hangs out with the Duke of Gloucester a lot. Lady Jillian Sackler of the Oxycontin fortune. 
Mm. Over 500,000 deaths. Big Pharma is right in there with all the other oh, absolutely. industries. It's amazing. Well, Charles, would you uh, mind giving your website any other links that you have so people can check out your work? Okay, okay. You can find, uh, look up silversteelers.net. And it has a lead into another site. And the other site actually has much more information. No silvernationalization.org and I've, I've actually got a, uh, another website that kind of shows a different side of me called texaspetprotect.org it's got uh, we have some rascals down in texas on a, a lower level but it, it it's uh, a so-called charitable organization that really is not charitable and I'd like to mention uh, <clears throat> something real quick. I know we need to, to end this because it's gotten long, but <clears throat> I want to sound like uh, a televangelist, but I'm going to give you some information that could save your life. If you're fighting cancer, look up artemisinin, A-R-T-E-M-I-S-I-N-I-N, and look up lactoferrin. These are two fairly inexpensive things that are highly antagonistic to cancer cells, but they're not interested at all in any normal tissue. And, nice. and if you're not too far gone, they can save your life. Uh, a guy named G. Edward Griffin has been promoting Laetrile for many years, and apricot pits, uh, excuse me, they're not safe. Uh, amygdalin, they're not, it's not safe. Vitamin B17, it's not safe. <clears throat> Lactoferrin comes from cows. It's an immune system booster. And what it does to cancer is, <clears throat> cancer needs a lot of iron, the mineral iron, to facilitate mitosis, runaway cell division. Well, the it uses iron for that. If it can't get enough iron, uh, it'll start to die. The blood vessels feeding it will die. And what lactoferrin does, it soaks up all the free iron and it starves cancer. Now, it doesn't soak up enough iron to hurt normal cells. Got to have some iron. But it, it, it has a very good balance and it will not hurt normal tissue. It just starves cancer of iron. If you take um, gasoline out of a motor vehicle, it isn't going to run. And then the artemisinin, it's also called wormwood. In the Far East, when people had malaria, <clears throat> they went in and, and they used uh, artemisinin, which is a plant, to treat the malaria. And they found that it killed cancer among people that also had a cancer condition. And what artemisinin does, <clears throat> in the presence of high iron concentrations, artemisinin causes a burst of free radical damage. Normal tissue doesn't have enough iron to take the damage. Artemisinin is like a smart bomb for cancer. And I saw it work in a dog with a mammary gland tumor. It detached from the underside of the dog's belly and it hung loose in a fold of skin. It was dead. 
dead, dead. That's amazing information, and everybody could use that because everyone knows. And everybody ought to be taking vitamin K2 because that will get calcium out of your arteries. Okay, good good information, man. Thank you. So I'm done for tonight, and if you want to <laughs> do some more sessions, hey, don't think that this exhausts the material. It's to scratch the surface. That's awesome. I definitely want to if you're up for it, and I know the people will be up for it once they hear these. So that's just that's fantastic. I look forward to it, and I'll be in a, I'll be in touch with you very soon, and we'll figure out a good time for you to come back on. Okay. All right, man. Thank you so much, Charles. You have a great night. Okay. Bye bye. All right, guys. That was it for episode number two with Mr. Charles Savoy on the Pilgrim Society. Now, as I said earlier in the show, we are doing a series on the Pilgrims, and that was number two. We've got three more shows already in the can. So I can't wait to get to those. He really dishes the dirt on this society. And some of you may not enjoy this, but I enjoyed a lot because I love history and hidden history. And we don't know these stories and these men and all their connections. And I think it's very important to see how this network works. It's a big mafioso, and that's the way our whole entire world works. And those that go against the mafioso, they get cut down to size quickly. That being said, I want to thank my wonderful patrons. I want to thank Chris. I want to thank Rooster, Robert, Frog Dog Blake, Thaddeus, Mr. Kilowatt, Sir Tim of the Tunnels, Aaron, David, Jack Allen from Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence. I actually just did another show with Jack on Thanksgiving night. So when you listen to this, go back and check Jack's page out we did another show on there and also thank you last but not least to mr james you guys rock thank you so much for your support thank you also to alternate current radio for hosting my show check out the boiler room and all their other fine shows on alternatecurrentradio.com and thank you to a fringe radio network.com for also posting my shows guys i love you mean it Cheers and blessings, and remember, their order is not our order. See ya.